My, I mean, like when I was first starting to smoke weed, I used to get super anxious, and like I thought there were times when I thought I was literally gonna die. Like that's, that's, I mean, I'm not exaggerating at all. And then I just started smoking a bunch, and smoking with drinking would really help, kind of take the edge off. Mm, yeah, you just kind of push through that. You push or it through does it. The opposite, yeah. and you get a little twisted, and you're like, oh boy. I think the order of operations really depends here. If you smoke first and then you drink. And you're not used to smoking. Uh-huh. I think that's dangerous. That's probably yeah. true. But for me, if I would drink first and then then smoke too much, yeah. you, know, you take that one death hit that make you cough after you've been oh, drinking, yeah. and then you throw that's up. That's not good. Yeah, you know, and you're done. Well, yeah. So is, this is Beekeep Radio. Believe it or not. Oh my God. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, we've got uh, me Insight. I'm your host. And today we've got uh, two co-hosts. We got Riggs. What's up, guys? We also got DJ Cap in the house. <laughs> and uh, you know, with those creaky old bones the meat of the show today casey dutcher man how are you hey man pretty good good to Thank see you, you for having me on well you know we've like joked about this podcast we've thought about it you know molded over and then now it's an appropriate time i decided to make another album just so i could be on this podcast <laughs> there you go That's... we've heard that before you know the <laughs> podcast is becoming notorious so i mean we're we're known we hear that we hear like, that a lot our two viewers they love this shit mm-hmm. yeah, they eat it up. It. <laughs> well yeah so we're here in the in the bee keep you know we're knee deep in sweet peeps <laughs> we're gonna talk about your new release you're gonna talk about some upcoming shows you got i Sounds know about great. one of those yeah um, we're going to talk about a few other things. It's going to be good. Right on. So, yeah. So, Casey Dutcher here, man. You got some links. Throw uh, some links down. Everything is at Music, Bandcamp, Instagram. I don't usually do anything beyond Instagram and Bandcamp. And if you just type k.d.u.t.c.h into any of your streamers, you'll get you'll find me there, too. There's no space between the period and the D. Oh, nice. So, you snagged up the name. Without having to put any dashes or underscores or anything like that. Yeah, it's all it's all mine. It's all mine with music at the end. K Dutch music. I think that's like one of the biggest problems these days when you're trying to get pages and stuff is somebody already has the name. Yeah. And like they don't use it and it's just been taken for like years. Yeah, it's like twelve years old and the last thing they posted was like somebody else's shit. (laughs) Yeah, there is there is there is a guy on SoundCloud called K Dutch and he's from like Belgium or something like that. Oh, so he's, he's just he's actually got, Dutch. He's he's got. <laughs> he's, he's, <laughs> I think I think that'd be the Netherlands, wouldn't it? Oh, it would. You're right. My bad. <laughs> I'm I'm geographically off. Well, you're pretty close. Almost there. Almost. And then there and then there's a, a woman on Instagram who's also K Dutch, and she's like Kelly Dutch or K. I don't know, Kate Dutch or something like uh-huh. that. So, that so, uh, so I had to add the music to everything, but nobody, nobody's rocking Kate Dutch with the music at the end. So, No, that's pretty easy. We had a MC Cryptic on here, I don't know, maybe 10 episodes ago. He ended up changing his name because there was some other MC Cryptic, right? So now I've got this episode with his old name. 
don't know if the link's really good. That's he's not known by MC Cryptic No, I know. Have they sent you a cease and desist letter yet? No, nothing's going to happen with that either, so it's just kind of too bad. Yeah, go in and edit his name out and put in his new name. I don't even know how I would fix that. Find him on all the social media. Go back in and badly, like, redub all of the links in a different place that's not his. That's a lot of work. Nah, we're not going to do that. We like hard work. Do it, you know, do it right the first time at the beekeep and then... And then that's it. So okay, man, we've got a little. We've got a few things to talk about. So tell us first about this new release, right? That's what we're. That's what we want to know about. Yeah. So almost home came out in 2017. Always, all, always home. Sorry, always yeah. home. Yeah, I'm always already half in a beer. It's all good. That's ours. Insights in the house. I, I'm sure I've made the mistake as well. Yeah, always home came out in 2017, and that was the the purpose of that one was really just me trying to be myself in all the different realms. I mean, that was sort of like a, a, I guess you could call it a spiritual practice that I had at the time. And so all the music um, from that album came out of that sort of idea. This one's called Tularosa. And literally um, the reason that I named it that is because for the first seven years of living in Santa Fe, I lived on Paseo de Tularosa. Mm. And when I was getting ready to move, I was going through my physical space and culling, and I decided, you know what, I'm going to go through my digital space and do some culling as well. And I kind of realized that over the years, I had compiled enough material to to release an album, and I wasn't really anticipating doing it, but as I started listening, I said, you know, some of these are good. I don't want to just let them go, and now is the time. So... um, I moved last spring, so I would say probably six months before that was when I really, probably about this time a couple of years ago, was when I really started um, getting serious about turning this older material, a lot of it was older material, into new stuff. And some of that meant remixing things. Um, for a lot of the tracks, I didn't have any lyrics. I wrote a lot of lyrics. The other, the other piece for me um, in this new release was I wanted it to be a community effort. And so on my first album, aside from work with Antelope, I didn't have any other collaborators on, on, the, on any of the tracks. And on Tularosa, there are about seven or eight different collaborators, including DJ Cap, okay. who does cuts on one of the tracks. Oh my so. God, it's DJ Cap! <laughs> <laughs> So, so that's that's where the title came from, and that's where the idea came from. But the you know the content itself, I mean, I, I guess one of the ways that I often look at the music that I make is just confronting the questions that I have. And my my underlying question is like, what what is life about? What what happens after we die? Is there a God? These are so. These are questions that I am asking as, as I, um, as, as you listen through the album. These are some of the pressing questions. And without going on too much of a tangent, um, I had a good friend pass away right right as I was finishing up the album. His name is Nano Nano Anaya, and um, and so it, it's real. I mean, these questions about life and death are are real to me and. Then, you know, 10, 10 days before mastering, my friend passed away. And so I, I, I switched up. I added a little piece in one of the tracks to, to honor him. Um, so this album is dedicated to, to Nano, but it's really um, one, of, one of the ways that I confront the questions, the bigger questions that I have about life. Wow. 
Okay, yeah. So there's a there's a good rooting in uh, well in everything for this album. It sounds like sounds like it uh, takes into account uh, like a large transition in your life and physically moving, obviously, and a large time frame, seven years. You said, wow. Mm-hmm. So and a death too. Wow. Yes. I'm, Okay, so there's a lot going on. I, I like this idea of um, re-examining old material, right? Because once you start producing things and you have a few years worth, uh, and you haven't looked at something that you basically burned yourself out on before, mm-hmm. uh, suddenly it can be exciting and new again. And then to take, say, your modern lyrical skill, mm-hmm. say compared to two years ago or four years ago, and apply that to something that you produced a little back then can mm-hmm. be just the right finishing touch. So that's really exciting. So in a way you're paying homage to in your uh, you're getting to close it out a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's a little processing for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. And then you brought in a lot of other people. There's people we know, Symmetry is on there. Who Symmetry's else is? Symmetry is on there. Yeah, so the we've album? got Symmetry from San Marcos, Texas. Um, he's been around he's been around Santa Fe a few times and great guy, great performer, great lyricist. Um, on that same track, DJ Cap does cuts in the outro, um, and uh, a woman named Riley Walker, who's been in several bands over the past few years here in Santa Fe, and who's an incredible vocalist, um, sings the hook on that one. Um, on my first single, which it, well, it's really the single for the album that I released about a, a week ago, Katie Kidd, um, who at, at some points in her um, progression was a singer in the sticky and is now um kind of doing music more on the side and is a, vi- a great visual artist she sings the hook on young elder um uh, let's see we got antelope he's on a couple of the tracks neil denton who plays bass in all the bands i ever run around with here in town um plays on a couple tracks Robert Muller, um, an incredible keyboard player, plays keys on one of the tracks. And let's see. I think that's pretty much everybody. If I'm forgetting somebody, then I apologize. To yeah, everybody at home is just going to have to get the album to find <laughs> out, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and All so, of these featured names. And so you've stuck to the, like a good-sized format, too. You know, it's uh, is it eight tracks? Nine, nine tracks. Nine tracks, yeah. yeah. So And that's perfect. That's right in that middle you know, middle ground between the like six-track, barely EP, mm-hmm. and that like, 15-track like monolith of an album that is harder to... To uh, I don't know digest. digest all at once. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. We were so, talking about that early, uh, a couple days ago about having an album in your car that you can't listen through all the way in one drive. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. And so like, have an album. It's five six songs. You get through it in one drive, and you've still got time. And it's just like, all right, I've heard this album. You probably won't play it again, but yeah, like change change up. Having, yeah. having like nine to twelve songs on on your record. That's that's primo because it means you have to come back to it. You have to listen to the beginning and then the ending. The the original idea was actually in an EP because I didn't think there was going to be enough material. But I ended up writing a couple new, a couple newer songs for it mm. and decided, well, let's call let's call this an album. 
It feels yeah. like an album. It's a little over half an hour, so. Looks like an album. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hell feels yeah. like an album. Tastes like it. This is an album. All right. I, you know, I want to mention two other people. Um, you know, I did forget. I forgot. I oh, knew I forgot, forgot people. You. So I'm going to I'm gonna back up here real quick and say there's a trumpet player who I actually met through um, doing this album. He's the only person that I didn't know prior to the album. His name is Billy Jaquito Quinto. And um, he plays trumpet at the end of Young Elder. And the other two people that I want to mention um, are Cabby Kabakov, who uh-huh. brought me in with Billy as well as with Riley to help with some of the recording. Um, and then Will Dyer, who mastered the album. So I... I Better late than never for the mentions. There. Uh, <laughs> yeah, those are those are names that have come up on the podcast before. We had Cabby in here for an episode, and he was he's a great guest. He's a real funny dude, uh, and very skilled man. He knows what he's talking about. But mm-hmm. he's um, what's nice about working with uh, a guy like Cabby is that uh, he doesn't lord over you. You know, he he knows a vast amount of information, but he doesn't have to tell you about that all the time. Yeah. But if you ask then you will get a huge amount of information. He will go into straight he, teacher mode. Yeah, he, and he's like generous um, and, and really, uh, yeah, teacher mode is the, is the best way to describe that. And then Will comes up a lot too as mm-hmm. a, just the guy to go to for... Um, Great guy. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, we're born like a month apart from each other, like in, oh, in, in the same year. So like he's, he, he's, a, he's a spring 76 baby just like me. <laughs> All right. And we got to stick together, you know. Um, but he's similar in that he's got a wealth of knowledge and dec- you know decades at this point of experience and very accessible and will teach as much as you want to learn but is not going to be coming at you. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, that's really nice to nice to have mentor like people around. Yeah. Um, and Santa Fe is just the, the kind of right size for somebody who wants to share and mm-hmm. wants to help. And you know, you meet enough people, you'll never be too busy. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So th- what's nice about the idea of this album, Tularosa, too, is that um, it's come together uh, very organically. You didn't plan mm-hmm. on making this album. That's so that's correct. <laughs> you've been able to sort of pick a lot of your uh, what's now become probably some of your your favorite material of your own Mm -hmm. um but without the pressure of a like a release date or wanting to put out that second album or whatever it is so that's nice that Mm -hmm. you know that lends a different kind of a feel to to an album and would you say this is um more relaxing than always home or very or, much so yeah. yeah and and part of that is just knowing more i mean I, I learned so much in making always home um so i had that experience to build on for the second album but where the first album was sort of like you know me just kind of deciding that i'm going to do this you, uh-huh. you're right in that this album came about very organically and in some ways represents also the roots that I've created here in Santa Fe over the past seven years. You know, it's like, again, a community effort. It's not just mine. No, totally. Even the um, the artwork I like on the album. Who did the mm-hmm. artwork? Uh, just uh, an online artist that I found. I had cool. the idea and I said, ah, I'm not going to be able to design this myself well. So I just outsourced that piece. Cool. And it works yeah. nicely. It, mm-hmm. It's uh, totally effective for the for the idea. But I like on the backside, 
the roots coming down into the track listing. Yeah. And that's a continuation from the front with a couple roses that are growing out. And, uh, um, yeah, I, I like that. I think more and more um, hip-hop differentiates itself from other genres <laughs> by having a bit more of a community focus. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that like folk and, and rock don't have that, but they mm-hmm. absolutely do. But um, but hip-hop really relies on that in a in a different way and almost in like a part of its aesthetic like that's like that's how you how you do your homebrew hip-hop thing yeah um, and yeah i can say you know in the time that i've been here too i've watched the scene i i think it cycled through an earlier phase and has sort of morphed into a, a newer more mature phase um the the hip-hop scene here in santa fe and you know you guys have been a part of that and outstanding citizens have been a big part of that as well so it's, I, I agree with what you're saying, and it's it's nice that that's happening right here in Santa Fe. Now, I wonder if that's a, a bit that, you know, so a lot of the people and a lot of the players in this local scene that you're talking about, um, they're aging, too. Or, you know, a few years have gone by since even we started hanging out and mm-hmm. checking true. everything out it's here, true. too. Uh, and, and there aren't too many new people always getting in, which I'm kind of surprised about. Um, but I kind of wonder, yeah, if even in a couple of years, if that's... Some of these people growing up a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, a few people have had kids. You have a child, yeah. I've got two kids. Two kids, yeah. yeah. Oh, jeez. There we go. And so you're really hitting it with the facts today, <laughs> <laughs> nailing it. So uh, yeah, so you're very much a family man, and that's mm-hmm. not that's not something that happens overnight. You know, that's growing. That's almost 12 years in the making. Yeah, Yeah, right. Yeah. So, you know, and yeah. It's a whole other project in itself. Yeah. (laughs) Just kidding. I told you that makes like a hip hop career seem maybe like sort of light duty to you, maybe. You know, it's interesting because what I've noticed about the relationship between my creative self and my family, my family self, really, is that in some ways I think I'm more. There's more structure, right? Like, I I go to work. I work full-time. I work with kids full-time. I'm a school counselor. I come home. I work with kids and a family (laughs) full-time at home until, like, 9 o'clock at night. So my window of opportunity is pretty narrow. And so what I have seen is that, like, if I'm going to do music, I need to choose to do music in the small window of opportunity that I've got. And in some, some ways, I, I wonder whether, um, I guess I, I, I hold that uh, it actually helps me out, that that structure of having full-time work and having, you know, full-time family responsibilities actually lends a structure I need to, um, to create. Whereas uh-huh. if I had unlimited time, you know, it's like, well, maybe I'll watch a couple Netflix episodes. Right. I was going to say, yeah, do you couch. feel like pressured because you have a limited amount of time? You're like, all right, I have this, you know, hour or two hours. Mm-hmm. I'm going to really like focus, you know, 110% as compared to, yeah, someone like me who's familyless, where I have a ton mm-hmm. of time to make music. And oftentimes I find myself doing exactly what you said, like, yeah, I'm going to play some, yeah. some games first. I'm going to watch a doc first and then I'll get get to it because i mean don't get me wrong i, I whine about that i never have time like i whine constantly if my wife is listening to this she'll be like oh yeah don't listen to him <laughs> lazy so so no i mean I, i'm not you know don't don't let me be holier than thou all i'm saying is that i do think that at the end of the day when i look over the past you know half decade uh, uh, and and 
you know, these two albums, I got an EP with Antelope, I've got an album with Shake Alert, I've got some singles here and there. It's like been a very productive time in my life, the most productive musical time of my entire life. And I do think that there's some correlation to having a family and having that structure, which often feels like a burden of responsibility, quite frankly. And it's it's a it's a jumping off point for me to know hey i've got 2 hours right now if i want to if i want to do this i got to do this right now mm -hmm. yeah. okay no yeah. that that's really true um there's something to be said for a limited time frame for optimizing uh, and then also you know when you're when you're working your job you're doing other things that's when you're having those ideas i don't feel like i have those amazing creative ideas when we're in the middle of a session mm -hmm. that like things no, don't they don't show no is like when you're outside and you're like, a few days ago, I came up with this awesome trumpet line for a song. And I was like, oh, I'm going to remember this. And then I came into the studio and I, <laughs> for the life of me, could not Just fucking remember in, what the hell it was. And I was like, it would have been such a good bass for like a good trumpet intro to a song. And it could have built the entire thing. And then it was just gone. And it never <laughs> happens in the studio. See, that's I what I was that. telling you. The, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, that's what I was telling you. Like, the other day when I had that idea in the morning, like, I just had to get up because you were like, you haven't eaten today? And I was like, no, man. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and I was like, no, I haven't eaten anything. And you're like, why? I was like, because I just had that idea, and I, I had to get it out. Otherwise, I would have forgotten it. It would have been gone. And it, sure enough, I mean, it took three, four hours to get this idea out. <laughs> and it didn't even come out the way I wanted it to. And you didn't eat. Yeah, look at that. Yeah. It. yeah, I'm like, damn, I haven't eaten anything. But, well, but you tried. You tried to get it out, and that's what really matters. The ideas rarely come out the exact way you want them to. I, I was going to say before that I had, um, for after completing Always Home, I had like all these voice memos on my phone with like little <laughs> snippets of ideas, and I was so attached to them. And I don't know if it was during the culling process of moving or what, but at some point I kind of let them go. Mm. But I was like, oh, I just want to save these because these are like the original ideas. <laughs> and now I know what the song is. And then I was like, well, I just I, I can let them go too. Yeah. So, yes. voice, so voice yeah. memos, that, that's my roundabout way of saying I actually, voice memos. I do, I do that same thing though. Uh -huh. I, I, uh, I have a recorder on my phone when I have a really good idea. Sometimes I'll like just sing into <laughs> it for absolutely no reason people will look at me like i'm crazy because i've done it in like walmart and target before uh -huh. <laughs> and uh but then i go back and there's usually something that's linking these voice memos to like something at the time but because i'm not in that present experience when i'm making the memo that mm -hmm. like little link it's gone. Yeah. And then the voice memo the is absolutely useless. And it's just like, what What was I even trying to make this go along with? Because I don't remember. And now it's been like a week since I listened to this memo. Yeah. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Mm. But uh, I do like the idea. Also, if you do that for your next few songs or still have those, just because you said you're kind of culling, it might be like a good hidden track at the very end of your album <laughs> to just kind of like stick them on to the very last track just like eight minutes of silence and then ba -ba -ba -da -da. hey <laughs> like something stupid i don't know how your that, voice memos usually yeah that's go, a great but... idea though that's solid advice from riggs there i, I like that very i like interesting. that yeah i like it i like yeah, it so it can be wait. on the deluxe cd for sure yeah right <laughs> And so, like, these, these things pop up, and, like, you're very rarely in the studio when these ideas come up. And so having that structure like you're talking about and being busy most of the time means mm -hmm. that when you then get to the studio, if you're organized at all, 
you have a, a lineup of things you want to work on as opposed to doing that, well, uh, we could we could open an instrument and uh, we could we, well, well, no, no. Let's start with the drums. Are you calling us <laughs> out right now, Insight? <laughs> so, no, I'm calling out my own process of you know mm. coming in here. I stare at the computer for ten minutes before I even turn it on, and I'm like, well, no, I'll just sit down on the drums anyway. I'll, I'll try this. I go make tea. I mean, I think there's I think there's something to that perspective, that approach as well, though. Like to me, that is like the practice makes something approach, right? So mm. like, yeah. I I don't always. I, I don't know that I have a, as much of a regular practice as much as I'm just like fitting things in when I can. But I also think that having a regular practice and coming back to it, even when there's nothing there necessarily like bubbling up at the surface, eh. like that's that's gold too. So, yeah, so don't you knock yourself for that. You don't necessarily have times planned out at like the end of certain days of the week where you just know you're going to have time. So you go into the studio for those or is like all of your time kind of randomly spread out and kind of happenstance to what's going on. Well, it kind of depends where I'm at. So like right now, the the newest project I'm working on with Anseloop is just, we're making as many beats as we can. We want to try to sell, try to sell some beats on BeatStars. And so I don't have, no, I don't have a schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, you know, like I'm trying to get in once or twice a week and just make a beat, like right there. One day beats, mm-hmm. you know? And cool. Because cause like, you know, if I spend more than that, then I'm not going to want to sell them. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, this that's is my baby. Dude, but that's... <laughs> when I have like that's Cap's problem for sure. <laughs> yeah. When I'm completing a project or I'm like in the thick of a project, then I'm more likely to say, "All right, well, I know like Thursday night and Saturday night, like those are the only times, and I know mm-hmm. I need to get this stuff done to be on whatever self-imposed deadline I've got, and so I'll I'll be more deliberate about it." But no, a lot of times uh, it's it's just like. Sometimes it's just like, well, I've got one free night this week, so I'm going to do something on because I've got actually time. Yeah, right on. I, I wouldn't say that I've got a strong uh, schedule for yeah. music. Yeah. <laughs> just for everything else. <laughs> yeah, so it's not it's not quite a like a quantity versus quality affair with music. You can you can sometimes get there through that just repetitive like you know, having regular sessions and working mm-hmm. on something and then you you discover a jam or you can have yeah. those really organized times too. Yeah. Like I believe in that like a production sort of practice for sure. Like sometimes I don't always have ideas. Yeah. But I'm like but I need to like just try to make something for mm-hmm. the sake of just, you know, like flexing the muscle a little bit. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, totally. keeping keeping the skills tight and still learning things and like well even though I don't have an idea for a song, I still want to maybe try this out. Mm. I've had an idea about this. I want to see how it sounds, you know. Mhm. Yeah, and then you can a... take that from there. No, I think that that's le- legit too. So tell us a little bit more about your beat making, man. What are you using? Uh, I use Logic Pro, okay. and that's you know that's what I use to make all the beats for my albums as well. Um, Antelope is is starting to get into Ableton. I know Kathy, <laughs> you can talk a little bit about that. So you know I, I've got I'm the itch fan. there. I've got the itch there for sure. And and part of that is just sounds, right? Like I'm I feel like I've used every Logic sound there is at this point, which isn't actually <laughs> true, but. You know, it, um, it's easy but, to feel that way to get trapped in your box of your DAW and yeah, use the same my, processes and pro, you know ways to do things, and it, it you be, create a homogenous sound. Unfortunately, I do that with Pro Tools. Yeah, so ba- I mean, really, the 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 important piece for this beat making is my practice with it 
is to try not to have more than 10 total tracks on any song. And because if you look mm -hmm. in, in Always Home, like there are songs that I had like 90 tracks running. Well, and it was just insane. And just I like had, a ton of layers. There could be like yeah. 30 or 40 vocal layers. I mean, it was just, it was obsessive and crazy. And so that's oh. been my, pra one of the practices is can I make a beat with 10 or fewer elements. Mm. The other piece is really looking carefully at an EQ curve and saying, all right, before I start laying down three or four or six or 20 elements in this song, let me look at the first thing I put down and let me look at what the EQ curve looks like and let me try to carve out as much space so that I'm placing every element of my song in its own EQ nook and it, yeah. you know it, it does it's, yeah. it's not like a perfect thing I don't have the practice down but that is a very deliberate practice that I've got for these beats and the other thing I think the last thing is I just been listening to a lot of music like especially uh. like modern R&B stuff I'm really really into um, listening to things that just have a lot of space in them and so I've been um, I've been trying to essentially replicate what I hear I'm just like as I listen, I'm like, how many elements are in this song? Where is the space happening in this song? Where are the unexpected elements coming in? And just kind of, kind of trying to essentially copy. Not that I'm trying to like, yeah. like copy a beat per se, but just the the ethos of what these like master producers are doing. Very you're, much you're just trying to take out a little bit of knowledge that you may not have had. You're reverse engineering. Yeah, it. reverse engineering. Yeah, That's exactly. What I'm There's some say. like sayings like imitation is like I forget what it is. It's something most sincere form of flattery. Yeah, yeah, yes. basically. And it never sounds nearly as cool as you know what yeah. I'm hearing anyway. So it's. Right, but the idea, and I'll do that definitely with with drum patterns and mm -hmm. and some of like the way the beat keep beats are set up, using like high vibratones and things like that to add atmospheric elements, and then you mm -hmm. know, yeah. But what you were talking about spacing out based on the EQ, and what I realized is almost very quickly we muddy up that 500 hertz area, and everything <laughs> gets like kind of gross. Sure 550, you know, yeah. and then also around 2200, we're like getting a lot of peaks building up, and everything's stacking, and it sounds gross, mm -hmm. and like too too intense. So yeah. So that minimal approach is really nice. Uh, and the other thing that struck me about what you're saying, um, limiting yourself to 10 tracks, uh, it made me think a lot about the more traditional process of using something like an MPC to construct beats because you're limited on space, you're limited on tracks. Mm -hmm. you, you know, it's kind of a pain in the dick to use, so you're limited really in time and effort also. Mm -hmm. um, so you end up making tracks that are a little more simple than you would if you had the ability to run 128 tracks or, you know, whatever the example is, like you said, 90 tracks in some of uh, Always Homes tracks. Like, that. that's... That's crazy, right? That's obsessive was the right term, and none of the beat keep tracks have gotten quite up there. But once you start getting to that thirty forty track, you know, or thirty forty lines in a in a track, that's ah, a lot of work. It's a lot. It's a lot of. It's a lot to manage. Yeah, you know, the start. CPU doesn't often like it, and yeah, so yeah, yeah. I was gonna say upgrading PC hardware because then you start start running into CPU processing problems. Totally. Totally. Well, before we talk too much about equipment, which I kind of want to talk to you about in a minute here, now that we're on that topic, let's I love equipment. play some music, man. Let's yeah, we haven't gotten into any of these sweet tracks. I'm kind of feeling like we should play the the track that Cap's on, which is called Ooh. Reboot. Uh, if, if you're if you're willing to uh, okay. sit through and and 
yeah, and definitely. enjoy <laughs> listening to yourself. Um, the reason that I think about this song as, as a place to start is, A, you know, I was trying to choose between Young Elder and Reboot as sort of the single on the track. Um, uh. They both have female vocalists that are awesome that are singing the hook. Um, which, you know, that's just like an obvious reason to want to have a single. Um, but Reboot in particular also has symmetry and it's got DJ Cap. So it's like literally mm. a, 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 the representation of what I was trying to do on this album. It also like I'm proud of the production. I think it sounds dope. Um, it's it's pretty simple. It's just like a minor blues progression. Um and the theme of this song is technology and what it's doing to us and how we can't escape it and how, you know, I, I, I would say that we are changing what it means to be human by the amount that we engage with technology. So that's that's the theme of Reboot. Like dope, dope. What a awesome synopsis there. You almost don't even need to listen to the track. We're going to listen to the track. We're going to listen to the track. Right. Let's do it. Beekeep Radio. All this new technology corner in the public space ends and planting downtime with screen time is how we live. Big brother rides in your pocket but why stop it when your phone is blowing up and responses to all your messages. The interfacing of relationship insidious. Renting the displays like the modern pools of narcissists. Emerging cons replacing earnest conversation at the same time the spew where hey became a complicated phone and a friend is giving way to tidy chat bubbles mother earth is filling up with motherboards the trouble complex polar caps of betas drones are hovering the footage from above got us we lost without the maps they spent reactiveness is a valued skill at my full expression on retreat like it was vanishing funky decay like we exhuming a sarcophagus maybe all are gone inside my pyramid I have to tell the truth, I am addicted to I don't know what heart is empty, so is mom as hell Need a complete defragmentation and a full reboot It's hard to do, it's so Behind the screen, but the grass is soft and greener. Props to the non-believers, face of facades. I mean, it's hard, but they need us. Unplugged, eyes wide, so I can decide to apply my emotion. Why to the notion that we might be witnessing the demise of the ocean? On a Facebook Live, I'm prepared to feast the lies. Played to the side, misinformed by narratives that they decide. I can't hate on you, I'm still logged into the matrix, tool tag in the vein. On the brain, we wonder how we stay so blue. I check the time on my phone, I write my rhymes on my phone. Swiping left and right, but dime. On my phone, and it's hard to find connection all the time on my phone. We got access on a global scale and still feel alone. Damn. And it's a choice we make. Can we rise to avoid this fate? Focus on our likes and follows when we know there's more at stake. Something's gotta change. I think that much is evident. Catch me on my Instagram, trying to stay relevant. What? I have to tell the truth, I am addicted to.
there's plenty more mess ups. Al Dean. Beekeep Radio. <laughs> we, just, we, got, got, we got insight. We got K Dutch. We got K- Riggs. K Dutch. We K-Dutch. can't just glance over it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glancing right over it. No. Okay. Okay. We can't. It's a uh, third. It's a third breakdown. It's got to be this an one episode. Podcast. Well, that was inside sorry, jokes, sorry. I guess. Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. But man, that was hilarious. <laughs> All right, I wanna I wanna go back and ask something that I asked when we were in the middle of the break. It, it wasn't really something I asked as much as something I liked about the the name of the song reboot. And you said that's probably where we should get started. Yeah. Just uh, you know, being a reboot, that's usually where you start things, right? After something's ended and you want to bring it back, you always go to the reboot, and that's generally the beginning too so i kind of really like the name and how you introduced the whole thing uh was there a concept into the song that went in with like it being the beginning or like i think reboot was probably the first song i worked on after releasing always home because Ah. the initial idea that i had was my next album we called reboot and this song will be Uh, the title track and then i just you know sat on it as i sat on all the other stuff Right. And um, I don't know at that time whether I had the concept for reboot being, I mean, essentially the concept in the song is like, we need to reboot our relationship with technology, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I had that concept down as much as I just wanted this particular song to be the title track on the next release. Well, that's fair. And I I still really like that because, yeah, rebooting our, our relationship with technology is probably something that a lot of people need at this point in time too i just oh that that's a sore spot because i see people just like staring at their phones when i'm trying to have conversations with friends and then retina displays like the modern pools of narcissists right and uh no i think that's true and it also frames the way that we define success uh and i think that restrains a lot of modern creativity so in for instance instead of making music because you want to make a sound and you like how that came out you're making a sound with this idea in the back of your mind about like how it's going to be reviewed by people that see it when you post it mm-hmm. got to do it for the and gram baby for the gram, yeah, for the <laughs> gram. <laughs> and like that i that changes everything that you do when you're curating your life as you're living it mm-hmm. for everybody around you Wow, that's just a whole extra level of processing that I think takes away from the creative process, right? If you can just make something and you kind of don't care, and in a way, like we've been lucky at the Beekeep, especially as we didn't we didn't really plan on doing shows too early and stuff, so we just started making grabbing material and there was no there was no audience to judge, right? So this is really mm-hmm. easy. Yeah, yeah nice. we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago when we were out at the I think it was at Landon's show and just how you know the newer the newest generation of human beings has this constant filter that they are both looking at the world through but more importantly and more damningly looking at themselves through and so i i feel for young people you know in many ways that's one of the ways the other way is just i I shared the story and i'll share it on the podcast as well that you know I, i work in a school i work in a middle and a high school and you know, one day cafeteria duty, I'm walking around and all the kids are looking at their phones at this one table. And I'm like, hey, look at each other, talk to each other, you know. And this one 
kid looks up at me and he says, we are Mr. Dutcher. We're all in a group chat right now. And I was like, wow, okay, here we are. End times have arrived. I'm, I'm standing in the end times of cafeteria duty So right it's now. like they're almost like speaking like telepathically through their phones in a strange and sense. And so, so this is not me Ooh. bemoaning the youth. In fact, like if we have a hope, it's the youth, right? And, 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 and so I, I want to I just say I'm not at all making fun of the youth, but I'm just saying, damn, it is a very challenging time to be young. And the ways, again, like... I, I feel that there is this way in which we're changing what it means to be human through technology, or technology is changing what it means to be human. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm on a tangent now, but that's my story. Well, if there's one thing to be said, it's like we're definitely taken away from like the personability of like, you know, the face to face interaction, person to person interaction. Now it's all done more. You know, online, through the web, through text, through messaging, through some sort of like filter. No, that's, essentially. that's true. Like a lot of the it's less and less like just you know face to face. I mean, not for us essentially because you know we're going out, we're doing things, especially at shows and stuff like that. You're forced to kind of have the interactions with people. Yeah, that's a very social event for sure. Uh, but we, as I was trying to say, there's like a there's a thing about modern work too, where uh, so you can have say you're working in a some sort of a PR firm, and you might have a young person who comes in who has a intuitive understanding of online social media nowadays uh, that might end up being your boss, and mm. you've been there longer, and it's only because they have that up-to-the-minute information. But what's typically found about these particular candidates is they lack telephone skills, and they mm -hmm. lack normal face-to-face -face presentation skills. Mm -hmm. And those are, those are like hard skills that you learn for their soft skills, but they're like, they're the ones that like you, you really need in those positions that you don't get any education for. There isn't a class you can take that's going to prepare you properly. For, no, nobody's going to sit you down and that. like force you to look them in the eye during an entire conversation. It, right. Like, and that's, that's just something you need to kind of be able to do in those situations. It's so, like, hey, you have my yeah. undivided attention. Let's actually talk about these things and not no, no, just totally. like, let me let me look down while I'm describing something that <laughs> I'm supposed to be doing in a presentation, but I'm going to stare at the table instead of talking out to this, so, yeah. this meeting. The, yeah. the output from people has changed a little bit, and then the input's different too. Like the, and Josh and I did this track a while back called Spine My Pocket about just that. About really good how, song. how your phone is always Mm -hmm. monitoring what you're doing and everything that that you buy and it, every move that you make is categorized and used to sell you other information or to sell you a product and so like it's an in and out so it's really funny that we have to hide behind device now and the way that that's affected hip-hop like you know i don't i couldn't really describe that in a succinct way but it's definitely there you know, let's say you look at the way that older artists like the Rakims and like even coming up into De La Soul, like their crowd control is totally different from how modern MCs operate with crowd control. Sure. And, like and I mean, you know, crowd. like one of the big developments in hip hop was sort of SoundCloud hip hop, right? Which yeah. Is, which you can do oh. from your bedroom. So well said, there's yeah. that too. No, you nailed it. Yeah, that right. Being able to um, produce something that you can share easily and cost effectively, and with a production bar that's that's lower, that where that's not a negative judgment, mm -hmm. like that as a that's a very um, street corner like online forum. Mm -hmm. uh, so like right, yeah, and that makes sense in the hip hop context. 
So I don't know. I feel like like just look at how that song spun us off into conversation, right? This is so topical. These like ideas about uh, the, the importance of the device in our pocket and how it interferes <laughs> with our humanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pervasive. So, so I'm also gonna I'm gonna go off on another tangent and take the right. opposite side of this conversation. Right. These devices have also allowed us to communicate with people from the other side of the world whose music we've probably never been able to hear before now. And we can just slide into those DMs and be like, yo, dude, you want to make a song together? I really respect what you're doing right now. And I know that maybe we could do something together. Check out these couple songs. Get back to me if you want to do anything. No, that's so true. And that that itself is like the hard skill of looking somebody in the eye. It's having the confidence to actually like put yourself out to people through this device and try and ask them, hey, would you like to work together? Do you want to collaborate so that we can both put something out simultaneously and try and get our communities to recognize one another? Mm-hmm. Oh, you and know, that, that, that's a whole... Right. Right. That's right. a yin and a yang, man, to the internet. It's true. Yeah, like Just you're right like with the access yang. to information, but I feel like that's a different skill. So, like, people, you know, in our age group, you know, very late 20s, 30s, into your 40s, like, those skills of reaching out are pretty natural. Like, you went and walked into a place to apply for a job. You might not have called or sent an email. Uh, and like so nowadays you basically only apply for a job digitally right that's you always have to go and fill out a form online. yeah I've never been able to walk in and give out I can't my, remember the last resume. time I like walked so, in and filled out a physical app I mean well yeah so that like reaching out across <laughs> the world to somebody now that you have that access to information I think that that might be a little easier for our age group still because it doesn't seem absurd and now that we have the ability to do that in a common way, it, it seems obvious. So I, I don't know. I'm not sure where that leaves us with this one, but I would say <laughs> I like the song, Kid. I like yeah, the song. The topic right? is expansive, and it like you know you can't really dope track. Yeah, dope track. Thank really you. hitting the nerve. I, I think I think that <laughs> and I'm you know, proud to be a part of. It. <laughs> to me, what you know, what we always have to recognize is that there's there's always going to be many different facets. Um, and t- uh, of any conversation, really, and with the technology conversation, it's you know it's not just an either or. There are there's a m- multitude of issues, benefits, and dangers. And what my hope is um, that I and other people like you guys who are thinking about this are able to um, teach the our youngest generation of people how to continue to be people and how to use these technologies in ways that maximize um, benefit and peace and minimize danger. And, and, and it's, hard, it's hard to hold that optimism um, when I read mm. the newspaper, for example. Totally, um, totally. But, you know, I, uh, yeah. that, that's my hope. And I hear that. Well, so with that said, would you say that you make your music... Um, not as a reactive thing, but do you make your music for young people, for instance, for other people to, I don't know, change their thinking? Or do you do it more as a cathartic thing for yourself? Is I mean, I think it's both, you know, like um, Young Elder is a, is a perfect example of a song that like, that's sort of like me talking to young people, but also me talking to um, older people who have young people in their lives. Um, 
but there are other songs um, where I'm literally just exploring, you know, what is the what is the contour of my what are the contours of my soul and what do they mean? Um, and that's really, I mean, it, to the extent that a young person can take some meaning from that, great. But, you know, I would say that there are ways that I'm speaking to others and there are ways that I'm processing myself. Okay, yeah, so you use those both in and out. And I guess that makes sense, right? Yeah. You know, it can't, can't really be just one versus just the other. Yeah, time, we live right? in a world of grays. You can't just do black and white. Everything's on a spectrum. And on the dope spectrum, gay Dutch, high up there, man. We're liking it. <laughs> so, okay, so if you were to pick a track off of this album that you feel is, uh, I don't know, uh, most inspirational or most... Uh, I don't, I don't know, kind of defines the album, and not in a way mm-hmm. that just a single does, but mm-hmm. but defines the whole collection. What, what track would that be? Well, geez, it's a hard question. It's toughy. Um, you got time, don't worry. We got all, <laughs> all day. I guess the best way to answer that one would probably be Bardo. Um, That's late in the album. That's towards the end. It's toward the end. And the reason that I... There are many ways that I can answer this question. But at the end of the day, what's most on my mind is, like, what is this existence all about? And um, the the track Bardo, I wrote that actually after seeing John Wayne come through playing Meow Wolf. And Hold on, you're not going to believe this shit. John Wayne, get your ass in here! <laughs> <laughs> it's, God, that's such a good, that's such a great, I love that gag. And I was, I was so inspired, <laughs> I was so inspired by the way that he produces and just the, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier, the elements of production... Um, and I was basically just trying to replicate the ethos of his production in a track. And so I produced Bardo and what it started out being was me processing a place of deep depression. So, you know, I, over the course of my life, I have suffered from depression. And so the first movement, let's call it in Bardo is me sitting in a tub with a razor blade and I, I decided that I wouldn't finish the track until I knew how to finish it. And what felt the most appropriate way to finish the track was to envision what the bardo is. And, and so, you know, um, for those who may not know, bardo in, you know, and, and I'm going to call my stupidity out right now, like I think it's like Hindu or, you know, some sort of Buddhist tradition. Um, is a state in between like the the life state that we know and the death state and and um, you know a, a wiser person would be able to tell you that there are different bardos that one passes through and so it's just like my question is like is, is that shit real you know like <laughs> what is what is after this you know what is after this what is this and so Bardo is my wrestling with the biggest questions of, of soul and spirit. Mm. And so um, if you want to put it on, we can listen to it. And the other, the other thing that I like about it is I use some auto-tune in it, and I kind of love how it sounds. It sounds dope. So, um, And the bar, I'm, I'm singing through auto-tune in the Bardo. Bardo it is. All right. Hey, man. Thank you, Radio. A better segue. Yeah. 
it's slit and flowing in From out of hiding ice cubes of 40 and some broken whip Still holding in, while the blood I be submerging in Is coating on my pores, no alleviation of this grisly Predicament that I'm drowning in Want to assuage the pain and sin Beholding capable I am Before I crawl into this tub I contemplated gloom I'm born in there, I snuff the flames of innocence My pessimism overwhelms the state that I feel hopeful in so Yeah, so that was Bardo, and we're on Beekeep Radio. Oh, man. And we're back from that. What a track. So, uh, as Cap described that, that's the club banger. It's, I mean, in my opinion, maybe that's, there's some, it, some other some heavier-hitting ones on the album, but I mean... I'm going to agree to disagree like a, on the club banger thing, but... It's a misleading uh, description, a but the point interpersonal being... interpersonal person, uh, so... That it's mixable. I would take that song a different way. I see. 
and it draws into element mm-hmm. it draws in elements that are not typical to boom bap hip hop. So you got some auto tune in there. You have some unusual timing. I feel like uh, it's a more modern song. It's a, it's probably my most modern production. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't sound like uh, it's not a boom bap classical hip hop kind of track. So in that sense. I think Club Banger is like an app description, right? Like <laughs> that would be more of a crossover kind of potential song. Right? Well, by like, means, more people like, are going to be able I mean, to so listen to that. So far from what I've go, heard ah, on the album, like it's like Dutch. the most, you know, energetic sort of, I guess in terms of like the drums and the percussion and the production, it's like a lot of energy going on. Well, I would love it if it became a club banger. I mean, I remember hearing an uh, interview way back when with Kanye, and he was like, yeah, Jesus walks. That's a club banger, but I want people to be hearing that Jesus walks. And it's like, if I'm going to make a club banger, like I want people to be thinking about what the Bardos are all about, you know, and what life and death is all about, and how do I get out of depression? I mean, hmm. if, if that could become a club banger, I'll be... I'll be happy. I know it's funny. <laughs> it's funny how that can work, right? Like yeah. that, a song that's like it, that. That one's in a way quite cathartic for you, right? Like it's like a processing song in some ways, mm-hmm. um, and yet it, right? It's like it ins, it's inspiring and it draws you in as a listener, right? And you're yeah. like, yeah, like yeah. Well, I'm sure you didn't have like <laughs> so, the idea in mind of like, oh, no, I'm making a club band. This is no. for the clubs. <laughs> and that's what's amazing <laughs> you're about that. The track, you know what I mean? But I'm just saying in terms of like, if I was gonna pick any track that I've heard so far. That's the one that I would be playing out somewhere, like a party or, you know. Well, I, I appreciate you listening to it. Trying to influence people, and, get them excited. Yeah I, I, yeah, I appreciate the feedback for sure. Yeah, yeah, we're liking that. <laughs> we're like that track, right? So as you can see, this is an unusually wide-ranging album. Tularosa. Tularosa, yeah. Bam. Oh, yeah. And so uh, how do you think Kevin Kids has changed your your approach to music and, uh, and to, to your work in general? Well, I mean, to be honest with you, having kids is really what brought me back into music. So when I was in um, high school and college, I was really into DJing. That was my primary mode of musicianship. Um, You know, I I took piano lessons and I took trumpet lessons and things like that when I was younger. But really, my primary musical um, persona was DJ. Really, I had yeah. no idea. Kate yeah, Dutch. I used to spin wax way back when in the in the mid to late nineties. <laughs> I have to call you up on stage next time. I, I wouldn't know what I was doing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and and so and so I had kids and I kind of got busy for for uh-huh. a while. And what I would say is that you know the K the K Dutch persona it's it's just grown up here you know oh, i yeah. i never really had confidence to be an mc and huh. that's why i was i felt like and this is you know not against any dj's but that's why i was always most comfortable as a dj cuz i could play dope stuff i have a great ear like i know what sounds dope and i can get people up and moving but i don't have to be the writer i don't have to you know i did some light production but mostly it was just spinning just spinning wax and um, when I had my kids and got busy, you know, coming out of the five-year fog, I guess, I said to myself, well, you know, it'd be cool to, it'd be cool to challenge myself. And I've got a lot to say. And I'm not getting younger, so let's, let's try this out. And so really, like, the, the emceeing thing and then production kind of growing out of that is relatively new for me. You know, I, I joined up with Shake Alert, which is like an Afrobeat and funk band. 
I don't know, five or six years ago. And before that, I really wasn't doing producing. But that got me kind of in the mode of writing. And I both sing and I rap in that band. And um, when we would take little hiatuses because, you know, there were like 10 guys and it was hard to get everybody aligned schedule wise, I started getting antsy. I was like, I want to I want to work on stuff. So that I basically picked up GarageBand and then after that logic and started producing stuff. And that turned into everything that I've done since and everything that Very you guys cool. know of, of sort of K Dutch. Yeah. But I guess the way that kids influence me, the, the having a family has influenced me is just kind of made me sort of be willing, more willing to step outside of my comfort zone and more, and, and also just be confronted with my own inevitable end right it's like uh, well if, if i'm gonna do this i better do this <laughs> well that's interesting so it's like mm-hmm. engendered you with a bit of i don't know courage in a way mm-hmm. you know like now or never almost you, you might as well yeah yeah that's oh uh, yeah well, that's kind of what i was you know that? asking earlier like in terms of like you know now that you with all that involved it's like it's almost you take the things that you're doing a little bit more seriously mm-hmm yeah. And, and also, I would say the opposite of that, meaning that when I was in my 20s, I would have taken myself so seriously. I mean, I basically did take myself so seriously that uh-huh. I was never willing to like step into the fire. Uh-huh. Right? Okay. But now yeah. I don't take okay. myself that seriously. And, you know, I know that there are three people mm-hmm. who have heard this album and Ansel Loop's got it. <laughs> so <laughs> I know somebody's going to listen to this album. Well, I mean, serious yeah, in the sense that it's like, you know, it comes down to like, you know, you're, you're really putting the effort in, really taking your time. Yeah. You know, you've really kind of discouraged discovered your sound the mm-hmm. things that you like to do and and that's what you're really putting in the focus and drive into now and and also i think that you know i've lived long enough and had enough experiences where like i really do have something that i want to say and i do really do have something that i want to share mm-hmm. it takes a long time to get to that point where you actually know that you have something yeah. you want to say and that you like you've discovered your voice people. essentially yeah it takes yeah. such a long time well something i wanted to ask about earlier that i i forgot to get back to is uh is like a equipment when we were, t- we were talking about using logic a little bit mm-hmm. do you what kind of interface tools do you like do you like an mpc do you like keyboard or what do you what do you play with what are the tools that you use i'm pretty minimal in my setup so i do have uh like a midi keyboard uh-huh. that i can play straight into logic with um, but I'm not a great, you know, Cap was asking for key lessons earlier. I'm not a really great. Even <laughs> no, though I wasn't. Even, even, even though I t- <laughs> you can scratch that from the record. We'll, we'll just like. That, that never happened. That didn't happen. What, what do you we'll mean? put a couple like cuts over that, you know, like when, when they like need to X Our out. like are a, just fine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm not a very good keys player. I, I have a decade of lessons and I'm not a very good keys player. So what I, what I end up doing is I end up editing the hell out of whatever I put into MIDI. Uh-huh. So it's basic. my basic mm. workflow is like MIDI into Logic, edit as necessary, repeat and i don't have an mpc i don't have any other toys i've got a two channel um cool scarlet interface and i've got you know the 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 
kind of game-changing piece of equipment for me was when my brother Jamie, who um, lives in LA and has like some really well-known friends and is an incredible artist, musician, producer, he had like a spare SM7B lying around and a couple years ago he was like, here, you want to just borrow this? I'm not using it. And that has been, you know, a, a real, that microphone has been a real boon to me and to my sound. You know, it's just, I, I feel like I've just gotten so much more out of it than a 57. Huh. Um, and it works for my space because, you know, it, it's got a, a high, it's got sort of high audio integrity, but it's still directional. So like, I don't have a great, I don't have a well-treated space. Uh -huh. So a condenser wouldn't really work for me. The SM7B is perfect. So that's that's like cool. my, my biggest toy. Nice. Yeah, all right. Oh, yeah. No, I really appreciate the uh, idea of maxing out the capabilities of the equipment that one has, right? And that's, mm -hmm. uh, that's very much what we've tried to do here, right? And we still haven't reached the limit with Pro Tools and an interface and an MPC and a keyboard. Mm -hmm. There's so much that you can do with that. Um, and with a little bit of thinking... You can turn samples into a lot more. Mm -hmm. You can learn about chords, and you can learn about really simple key playing. Cap and music theory. No, and it's like it's it's not too hard, and you no. can cover like a lot of ground with uh, with with a computer nowadays. And that this has come up a lot on the podcast that like that is not a feature of hip hop twenty years ago. Correct. Like having that access to recording in your side room in your second right. room like we're doing there you know mm -hmm. um being able to process actual i don't know half decent mastering or mixing processes in house like that's really that's new plus being able to store high quality files in a reasonable mm -hmm. way like that's mm -hmm. oh external hard drives new. are a game changer for anybody making music or doing video production or doing like anything related to the yeah. arts totally and they used to be expensive and now you're buying they used to have to be attached to a computer <gasps> right <laughs> oh my goodness Could you imagine if like oh it was like also you just lugging around a bunch of computers <laughs> suitcases a bunch of hard drives just like <laughs> in a I tote mean. just like oh yeah, the files on this bad boy it's yeah. a u-haul full of tape <laughs> yeah right yeah let me get out my paper stock i'll be plugging cards in all night hold on i got my a tracks let's go mm -hmm, jesus yeah so we, we live in a in an era where accessibility is very high uh and we were talking about that after reboot too but boy that does mean that um you know while you're blessed with that access you're also inundated with options mm -hmm. and that leads to that like, net, like that like netflix menu syndrome where you just can't decide. You fucking scroll and you scroll and you scroll and you're like, oh, this movie's good. It's got good reviews, but, I don't, but uh, might but be I could have, better. I could have something better. Yeah, just to scroll away. And so, yeah, right. In a way, in the way that we we're talking about having limited time, mm -hmm. um, having a slightly limited uh, like toolkit forces you to be innovative and mm -hmm. like forces you to to learn a couple new techniques and to be able to, I don't know plan your moves a little bit better mm -hmm. you know you don't just have the the breadth of options so that's kind of fun and that comes across in a couple of these songs on this album and i'm really liking this album right on this is good it's tularosa and it's uh tell them again it's bandcamp you got k-bandcamp k-music.bandcamp.com um everywhere on spotify title apple music just the, you know all the all the streamers 
K dot D U T C H. That's all one word with no spaces in between. Yeah, that, that that's where you find me. And Instagram and all that is at K Dutch Music as well. My man. Okay, and you'll be playing here pretty soon. The other thing we haven't talked about is your upcoming show. Yeah. You got a show here at Rufina Tap Room in Santa Fe. Yeah, I like to call street. that my soft release. There you go, That's, soft uh, release party. All right. Thursday, March 12th. Okay. It's going to be part of the Brew Tap Boom Bap, I think. There you go. What they're yeah. calling it. And I just found out Thursday night that Defy is going to be. Um, performing as well there so that'll oh, that'll, that'll be good snap. for me <laughs> yeah all right yeah. that's gonna be a great that show may draw a few people that'll in. bring some people so, out yeah. right yeah that's a good way to release an album good, you know pretty good artist from yeah. what i hear yeah <laughs> just kidding <laughs> looking forward looking forward no, to he's the uh, man bro. yeah looking forward to, to sharing a stage with him and then you know the other one that uh, i've got on the radar is the last friday of march march 27th at tumble root we are essentially getting the band back together the Fat Sweet sort of is like an on again, off again band, and so we're we're on again, and we are arranging all of the music from Tularosa for live performance. Oh damn! And, wow. And um, I'm I'm excited to say also that Antelope has been working with another band, kind of a neo soul. Um, for lack of uh, a, a more precise um, descriptor, and they're going to be opening for us. It'll be their debut opening. They're calling themselves Illuminations. Okay, hell yeah. So there's some hot dates to check out at Rufina and, and Tumble Root. Tumble Root, yeah. Okay, nice. nice. So we'll be checking you out at both of those for sure, for sure. And I'll have CDs at both events. All right. Man, it's been a joy having you in here. Yeah, well, we thanks. Should, uh, Thanks Check for out having me. one more super track, but man, I'm down. I mean, yeah, we can go one of two ways. We can um, keep it sort of like uh, uplifting, or we can play. <laughs> if I had my druthers, I'd play one that's kind of depressing. <laughs> well, so you tell me. Yeah, let's it go with your your choice, man. I mean, All right. Like, yeah. Well, I just want to get this one out there, and you know, we talked about who do I write for. This, of all the songs on the track, this is for others to hear. I, I need people to hear this track, but it's also for me. This song is called Ultimo Grito. And a couple years ago, I was listening to Democracy Now! And Amy Goodman was talking about this young man from, a young father from Honduras who'd crossed over the border in Texas. Um, and he, had, he was uh, accompanied by his wife and his like two-year-old son. And, um, you know, basically they separated him from his family and he didn't go quietly. He was screaming. He was violent. So they put him in a solitary confinement and he killed himself. And that story stuck with me. And I knew that I was going to write a song about this event. I just didn't know how or when. And, you know, there's a there's a track, one of the only tracks I've ever made that I play guitar on. It's just a simple little riff. Um, I decided was the right backing track for it. So um, in this track, it starts with that guitar riff and you hear an actual newscast. It's from like Univision, which details the event. And then I proceed to tell this man's story from my perspective. And, you know, the reason I say I needed to make this song is because, like, that's a father. And, like, I can relate so deeply as a father 
even though I have so much privilege that I could never relate to what he actually went through, like as a mm. dad being ripped from my family and then deciding it is not fucking worth it. Like I resonate really, that resonates really deeply with me, but for everybody else who may not know this man's story, I want Marco Antonio Munoz to have lived for, for something and to have died for something. So my hope, if anything, on this album ever gets out into the wild, wider world, this would be the song that I would want to get out and I would want people to think like, holy shit, what we're doing to families is fucked up. All right, well said. I think we can all hear that. Definitely. All right, Beekeep Radio. <laughs> al reporte realizado por la oficina del alguacil del condado Star en Texas respecto a este fallecimiento en el cual se indicaría que Marco Antonio Muñoz cruzó la frontera por Granejo, Texas el 12 de mayo acompañado de su esposa y de su hijo de tres años solicitó asilo en McAllen, Texas los agentes de inmigración proceden a separar a la familia un oficial había comentado que a Marco tuvieron que físicamente arrancarle al hijo de sus manos y otro de los problemas es que se sabe que el, el señor se suicidó en una celda de castigo solitario. Twenty.